Hey there, welcome back. This is episode five in season three, all about real food. And I'm actually really excited about today's topic because I am so often asked, where do I start? You know, Michelle, it seems overwhelming, this idea of simple living and getting back to the basics with our diet and all of that. It's just too much. Like, where do I start? And I do have generic encouraging answers that I give. Like if you send me a message on Instagram, I can't write back an article to you. So I will give you some, you know, little encouraging tips, but I'm excited because today I'm going to dive in to one very concrete, very simple way that you can start down the path of a more simple life with more real food. So let's do this. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested, because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. Okay, so that one of those general tips that I would give you if you messaged me on Instagram with this question of where do I start, I would definitely say start small. Just pick something. Think about different things you could choose from. Think about your family's needs or interests or how much time you might be able to commit to whatever this one little thing is. And and then just choose. Um, but... The one thing that often comes to mind, well, first of all, food, start with food. Food is something we are continually having to think about and it impacts us so majorly in so many ways. I mean, when Ruth Ann Zimmerman was on a few episodes ago and we were talking about how real food impacts the family and family life and time together around the table. And of course it impacts your health very dramatically. So start with food, but today we're talking about one particular way that you can change the way you do things with food. And that really simple way is just by thinking about adding fresh or dry herbs to your meals. It seems so simple. Like you think about herbs are just this little small thing and, you know, it's just like dried leaves or crushed up herbs that you get at the store. And you know, what's the big deal, Michelle? That's a really weird thing for you to tell me, but they're really not that little. They convert a skillet or a Dutch oven full of random food into a really flavorful meal. And they're so simple for a place to start. Like you can actually grow them yourself. You can know the source of that food very distinctly because you've grown it, you know where you got the seeds, you know what kind of dirt it grew in, and you can grow it year round inside, no matter where you live, no matter how small your apartment is or whatever, you can grow food, you can grow herbs. And there's so many ways to use them. It's It just seems to me like a very logical place to start. Um, I did have an episode, episode, let me look, 13, was about um, 
how I grow herbs, not only for our family, but for our chickens. So if you are in a situation where you're looking at starting a small homestead and you're wondering what animal to start with, I'm sure if you've asked anybody who knows anything about farm animals, probably everyone has told you start with chickens because, well, there's so many reasons we won't get into that because this is about herbs. Um, but so this little thing of fresh food herbs actually goes hand in hand with the simplest animal that you could start with on a small homestead too, with chickens. So check out episode 13 if you're interested in that, but I'm, I'm diverging. I'm getting off topic here as I so often tend to do. Um, okay. So it's really hard to overall your whole diet, right? And if you try to do too much too quickly, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to get burnout. And if you're like me, you're just going to give up. So if herbs seem reasonable to you, then stick with me through this episode. Cause I think you're going to be encouraged. Um, first of all, on a daily basis, we accumulate free radicals, whether we want to or not through the toxins that we're eating. If we're eating, you know, I mean, so many things that we choose to eat, we don't even realize have toxins in them, sadly, um, through the air that we're breathing through the water that we're drinking. It's just a fact of life that there are free radicals in our bodies. But if we're eating foods that are high in antioxidants, antioxidants are an excellent way. I mean, excellent way to reduce those free radicals from circulating in your bloodstream. And most plants are going to have antioxidants. I recorded some episodes early on about maple syrup. I think it was episodes two and three, actually, that I talked about the antioxidants and all the other amazing, wonderful things that you find in maple syrup because maple syrup is sourced directly from a tree, directly from nature. Um, so you're getting these antioxidants in the food you're eating. If you're choosing to eat totally real natural food, herbs are no exception. Herbs are loaded with antioxidants and a huge bonus to herbs is they're so easy to grow and they're so easy to harvest guys. It's, it is not easy harvesting maple syrup. <laughs> I will tell you that I spent many years writing an entire book all about the process so that folks could do it. And once you learn the basics, it is so worthwhile. I highly recommend it, but it's not something that you can do without some research and without you know, picking up sweet maple, my book, or talking to other sugar makers, makers, excuse me, but growing herbs, guys, it is so basic and so simple. You put the seed in the dirt, you give it some water and some sunlight, you let it grow, you clip it off and you use it in your food. It's like that easy. Now I do like to preserve my herbs because here in new England, we have such a short growing season and growing them inside is not something I'm crazy about for a lot of reasons. We have a small farmhouse. I don't have a lot of room. I don't have great sun exposure. So I'd probably have to use artificial light all the rest of the year to keep the herbs happy. It just, I've tried, it just doesn't work that well. So instead I choose to preserve them. So I'll grow them during our summer growing season and I will, um, clip them off and harvest them. I will actually harvest them throughout the summer as well. And at that point, when I harvest any of my herbs in the middle of summer, I, in case you're wondering how you choose when to harvest, it's really simple. When your plant 
gets big and bushy. I like to grow my herbs in pots because many herbs, especially mint, which is one of my favorite, um, are invasive. And if you keep them in pots, they're really easy to keep them contained from taking over a flower bed or a garden. And also the pots I can move. So when it does come time that a frost is nearing, it's really easy to move them somewhere where they're protected and then put them back out if we have many more weeks of nice weather. Or in the early spring, they might need to be moved to be in bright sunlight um, before the summer comes and fills the garden with light. So lots of reasons, but I usually grow them in pots. But when the plant starts to really fill up the pot, it's bushy and coming over the sides, then I will usually clip off a good portion of it. Sometimes I'll clip off you know, herbs all summer long, depending on what I'm making for dinner that night and what herbs I want to use in it. But I will definitely have harvest periods and harvest time. And it's different for every plant as to when I choose to harvest it. But if I'm harvesting it in the summer, I will usually use my dehydrator to dry them. Um, mainly because even here in New England, the humidity in the middle of the summer, even though it's not high humidity here compared to where I used to live in the mid-Atlantic area, um, there is enough humidity in the air that typically is hard for the herbs to dry well by hanging them. That's the simplest way to dry them, and it's what I do come fall when I harvest everything. Whatever's left when the frost is coming all gets harvested, and I hang it to dry in my kitchen. I hang it from the rafters, from the beams in the ceiling, and it typically takes maybe four to eight weeks, depending on different factors, and the plants vary as well. Um, and then they're nice and brittle and crisp and ready to take down, and remove the leaves from the stems and store them away. I will just store them in mason jars, but there's plenty of options of how you can store them. Um, but in the summer, because of the moisture in the air, it, it's not usually a good choice to hang them to dry because they usually don't actually get dry and brittle. So then I will use a dehydrator. I love my dehydrator. I'll leave a link in the show notes to more information about that if you wanna know more about it. Um, in fact, I think I'm probably going to do an episode soon about dehydrating itself because there's so much I could tell you there. So I'll just leave it at that for now, that a dehydrator is a great choice for drying them if there is any moisture in your air. Otherwise, hang them up, let them air dry. If they are an herb that loses little seeds as it dries, then I love to put them in a brown paper bag and I will poke a few holes in the bottom of the bag or the sides of the bag around the bottom, but on the sides. Um, so the seeds won't fall out, but so there is air circulation and I'll hang that bag. So the herb is upside down in the bag and the bag is underneath the herb. <laughs> As I'm talking, I'm doing all these motions with my hands. I'm sitting alone in my office and I'm holding up the herb in the air for you and showing you where the bag goes. <laughs> There's nobody here to see my motions, uh, but I think you get the idea because then the bag is going to collect the seeds that that herb is dropping. And then bonus, you have seeds that you can use to plant the next year. Okay, so herbs are so simple to grow, so simple to dry and preserve and keep them around all year long. Now I'm gonna give you some practical ways to use some of my favorite herbs every day in your kitchen. I wanna pause for a second and tell you about another thing that I have done in my kitchen over the years that has made amazing impact on our family's health. And in a lot of ways, it's a really small thing. It's something that intimidates people because 
maybe they don't know what it is or they've seen um, the culture you need to do this and it just grosses them out or they just assume it's just way too hard or they've heard it's hard. What I'm talking about is kombucha. It is fermented tea and I want to encourage you that it's not as hard as you might think or if you've never heard of it, that it's definitely worth finding out about. Drinking a glass of kombucha a day has been shown to rid our bodies of harmful bacteria. It's been shown to prevent us um, from our bodies absorbing heavy metals, which actually are correlated with many autoimmune problems and difficulties. And drinking a glass of kombucha a day has been shown to just help us better absorb the vitamins and minerals that are in our food. So go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha, where you can download totally free some gifts that I have for you to encourage you about maybe considering adding kombucha to your diet. There's a free ebook that has a lot of information. There's a free chart that will help you get started and lots of great recipes. If you go to solelyrested.com slash kombucha and scroll all the way down to the bottom, that page is actually telling you about my masterclass, which you might be interested in that as well. I would love to have you join me in there. But if you scroll to the very bottom of that page, you'll see some big red arrows and you click there and you can get access to all of this free stuff that I'm talking about. I think it says, um, click here to download or something. So solelyrested.com slash kombucha. Please go check it out. Enjoy the free recipes and all the information. And I hope you love what you discover there. So back to the herbs that I use the most in my kitchen. By the way, there are so many ones that I could talk about. So I'm really just choosing to tell you about the ones that I truly use all the time. There are so many others in my pantry, in my cabinet. There are more that I grow, but probably I'm trying to debate how I want to say this. My favorite herb to grow, I've already told you is mint, but I'm not going to start there. I'm going to start with one that's more versatile than mint too, actually, that I use hand in hand and, um, they're just, they're, they're just so practical and so useful. I use them daily, oregano and basil. These little powerhouses are so good. I use them in any Italian meal that I make, of course, like anything. Any Italian meal has to have definitely oregano, and I usually will use basil and oregano side by side. Um, Pizza, always on pizza. We have, typically we have pizza every Friday night in our home, and I can't imagine making pizza without these two herbs. They are fantastic over vegetables, like any vegetable at all. You name it, these herbs are great to sprinkle on top. Depending on the veggie, I would use more or less of these herbs, but they're delicious. They're, of course, fantastic to just throw in your salad if it's the summertime and I have the plants growing. I like to grow some in pots right outside my kitchen. I call it my little kitchen garden, even though it's just a few pots on the back deck. (laughs) Um but I can quickly grab them and toss them on top of my salad to add those added nutrients, the extra antioxidants and the extra flavor, of course. And they're great in so many sandwiches. Like, you know, think of why limit this to an Italian sub? 
Like why not use these herbs on pretty much every sandwich that you make and scrambled eggs. I would never, I just wouldn't make scrambled eggs without tossing some of these herbs in because they're just so good. Um, oregano specifically, I know there's a study I read recently, and this could be true of actually any herb. I don't know, but it was oregano that I read it about that it has been shown to drastically help the body fight infection. This one particular study, there was a virus that they had in test tubes and they found that the, um, oil from the oregano plant, when it was added to the test tubes, reduced the, uh, effectiveness of the virus as much as 90% when that virus came in contact with the oil from the oregano plant. So, I mean, definitely it's got to help our bodies fight off all kinds of sickness and viruses and infection. It's got to, right? Um, another herb, (laughs) I don't know what I just said. Another herb that I want to make sure I talk about is rosemary. I really didn't use rosemary much at all until probably, hmm, maybe it was like four or five years ago when I first started using it in my kitchen. And I started using it because of kombucha. I had heard that herbs are really good when you're making this fermented tea and you want to flavor it. And it's true. They are. And rosemary was the one that I really took to that really shines in kombucha. Particularly, I love grapefruit, rosemary, kombucha. One of my favorites. It's also really good with some lime or some lemon, lots of different options, but That's why I started growing rosemary to use it in my kombucha. But I learned that it really brings out the flavor in stews and soups and any kinds of sauces, or if you're making stuffing, Thanksgiving is coming up. I'm recording this um, just a few days before Thanksgiving, so stuffing is heavy on my mind. Rosemary is great in that. Um, It's so rich in nutrients and vitamin C and um, B6. It has folate, it has thiamine, it has magnesium, iron, copper, calcium. I had to look at my list because believe me, I do not have this memorized. But when you look at the benefits of rosemary and all that it has in it, how could you not add it to some of the things you're doing in your kitchen? And I'm sure you've heard of infused rosemary oil, right? I mean, it's so easy to do. You just take a few sprigs of rosemary and put them in um, a glass bottle or a, even just a mason jar if you want, and then pour in your oil. You could use balsamic or um, olive oil, add a lid to it, and then let it sit for just a few weeks somewhere. I like to put it in just in a dark cabinet and you have amazingly rosemary infused oil. Combine that with other things to make salad dressing. And it's so, so good. The, it's kind of a, a bitter taste that rosemary has. And that slight bitterness neutralizes out the sweetness of your balsamic, or a lot of times I'll add some maple syrup or some honey to my salad dressing. And it's just a really nice balancing flavor of the earthiness of the rosemary with whatever sweet flavor is in the salad dressing. So it's really good for that purpose. Um, But the last one I want to talk about is like I told you, my favorite herb to grow, and that's mint. I love it the most for making tea. I am a tea fanatic. I have a cup sitting right here right now. I pretty much go very few hours 
in the day without some sort of tea, whether it's kombucha or some amazing different iced teas, not the standard kind that you're thinking about. Um, some flavored, just, I, again, I'm not going to go off topic. In fact, we're going to do a whole nother episode that's going to talk about replacing sugary drinks and sodas with really good alternatives. So we'll talk about tea then, but that's why I started growing mint because I wanted to make my own tea. And it's so, so easy with mint. Literally, you take the dry mint leaves and you soak them in hot water and you have an amazing cup of tea. And the cool thing with mint is there's so many varieties and they're so easy to find. I mean, you can get them just at your local nursery or, you know, your local um, box store and you can, you can buy the plants of all different kinds of mint. You can get sweet mint, you can get peppermint, you can get spearmint, the list goes on and on. Um, One of my favorites is chocolate mint. If you know me at all, you know that chocolate is a passion of mine. I just, I can't deny it. So chocolate mint, oh, so good. And that's all you need to have a wonderful cup of tea. That's really, really good for you. Um, But they're also, all these different varieties of mints are so good to use in baking. And I have a ton of fun experimenting with the different varieties of mint in different baked goods and different recipes. But my favorite way to use mint in baking is definitely hands down chocolate chip cookies. Just add some dried crushed up mint to your dough. Oh my goodness, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for a really good chocolate chip cookie anyway, especially if you offer me a tall cup of milk with it. Oh, but if you add mint to your cookies, I'm like, I'm hooked and I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> um, oh, and shakes. I've recently, I, I love milkshakes, but I have kind of sworn them off for the past like decade. Cause as I have gotten older, you know, I've of course struggled with, you don't know, want to gain weight and be out of shape. And I try to watch what I'm eating and way back when I decided I'm not going to eat. I'm not sorry, drink. I'm not going to drink my calories. Like I'm just going to do everything I can to have beverages that are, don't have sugar and don't have the added calories. So milkshakes are, have been a thing of my past for a while because of what I just said, although I absolutely love them. Um, but I've recently discovered an amazing way to make a chocolate shake that is so good. And I'm going to share it with you right now. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to the exact powder that I have fallen in love with. It's, I don't, I don't know exactly what it's referred to as. It's a chocolate powder that is high in so many good things. In fact, darn it. I'm at my office away from home because I wish I could just grab the container and read off to you the amazing stuff in this powder. But I guess you're just going to have to trust me for now or, or check that link in the show notes and, and go check out this powder because it's so, so good. I get mine through Azure Standard. I don't know if you can just buy it at like a local store. I've never seen it in a local store, but I could have just missed it. Um, but Azure Standard, by the way, I highly recommend. If you don't know about them, I'll leave a link for them in the show notes too. They're a great way to source amazing food, a lot of it directly from farmers across the country and have it shipped to you. You can just trust that the food is a really good, high quality food coming from Azure Standard. So, um, okay. So this shake is this powder. It's a scoop of this chocolate protein powder. 
And I'll typically add a little extra um, cacao or cocoa if you have cocoa, like maybe half a tablespoon just because I like it really chocolatey because I'm a chocolate freak. And I will use about three large frozen bananas and a cup of milk um, and then mint, probably three or four tablespoons of dried mint leaves because I grow it so prolifically and mint grows like crazy, like wild. Um, So I have plenty of it to get me through the winter until next summer. And I can generously put a good like four tablespoons of mint because it just makes the shake so good. I like the banana flavor. I don't mind it. I, I use bananas in my smoothies all the time and they make such a delicious smoothie and milkshake because they're creamy and they're sweet. But I'm not crazy about a banana milkshake. Like I want it to taste like a chocolate milkshake. So the mint totally masks the banana flavor. And it just, it's a wonderful, even with the four tablespoons of mint, maybe because it's masking the banana, it's not an overpowering mint flavor. It's mainly chocolate with a hint of mint. So, so good. Okay. I just took a really long time telling you about this. And I really now want one of these milkshakes. (laughs) Um, But that's my favorite thing currently to do with our mint is to make one of these amazing shakes. It's like my my go-to probably four or five evenings out of the week for my dessert. Once in a while, it's my lunch. It's it's just that good. Okay, so um, all of these things I've mentioned, whether we're talking about the Italian herbs or the rosemary or the mint, you could definitely consider crushing them up and keeping them in like mini shaker uh, containers by the stove or in a cabinet near the stove for the ones you're using the most often, and that could save you some effort. You could have them already crushed and just shake them on. But I actually keep them in a mason jar. I have like these flip lids, so it makes one less step. I don't have to unscrew the jar or the lid. I can just flip the lid and have immediate access to my different herbs. So I'll just grab the whole jar And I like to not crush my herbs ahead of time. I will leave the leaves as whole as, you know, natural or normal. Like obviously when I'm, after they've dried and I'm swiping the leaves off of the stem into the jar or whatever container I'm going to store it in, of course the leaves are going to kind of crumble, kind of break. That's not a problem, but I don't crush them any further. I'll leave them for the most part whole. Um, if it's an herb like like thyme that has teeny tiny leaves on the stalk, I actually will just clip off the stalks, let them dry, and shove the whole thing in a large quart jar because that's just so much easier for me. When it's time to use some of the thyme, I will just break off the leaves right then and there, right into my skillet, if that makes sense. But um, for most herbs, I just put the leaves in the jar. And then when I'm ready to use it is when I crush it. I'll pour some into my hand. I'll just eyeball if that's a tablespoon or two or whatever I want. And then I'll rub my palms together over top of my skillet or the bowl or the Dutch oven or whatever I'm, you know, using. And the herbs are then that much more flavorful because you're, you're crushing the oils right then and there into your food. And it smells so good. Like I'm kind of addicted just to this action. I'm telling you because it makes me happy. It makes, it makes the kitchen smell good. It, it's just, it's, it's fulfilling in a, in a really simple, simple way, which is another reason this is the one thing I decided to tell you as a first step, 
because of this simple act of crushing these leaves over my food on a cold February night, it just, it's amazing. I'm smelling summer, I'm holding summer, I'm tasting summer. And in a long New England winter, you need that on a cold February night. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I've totally just lost my train of thought. Um, I think that's my main point is that I wanted to tell you, you do have options. If you want it to be super easy, go ahead and crush them ahead of time. Or if you want to even make your own special, um, like I told you, I will almost always use oregano and basil together. If I wanted to, I could definitely crush them together, mix it up, put it in a little shaker jar and just a few shakes. And what I want is on my food. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's still really good for you. I just love that extra little oomph of the extra freshness of crushing it right then when I'm eating it, but that's just me. So do whatever works best for you. But if it gives you as much, even half as much joy crushing it in your palms, the way it gives me joy, then I highly recommend it because (laughs) it's really good. (laughs) Um, okay. So that's it for today. That's pretty much what I wanted to tell you. I could go on, I could talk about a lot of other herbs, but I think Um, hopefully my goal has been reached that I have encouraged you in one simple way that you can make things a little more simple living in your kitchen, a little more real food. And it's so, so good for you and your family. So if you have not yet subscribed, there's lots more coming in this season. Um, there's some fantastic guests coming on some really great topics, all of them, I'm just breaking it down in simple steps, simple ways to have some more real food in your life and you'll be better for it. I promise. Um, so if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so go over to whatever your favorite podcast player is and look for the simple doesn't mean easy podcast and hit subscribe. If you would be willing to go over to iTunes and leave a review that helps other folks find me. And also please give me insight of your thoughts of this season or future seasons you would like to see here on the podcast. And as always, please take a second to go to solelyrested.com slash coupons, but more so now than any other time. If you're listening to this, as it comes out the week of Thanksgiving, with Black Friday specials coming up. Um, I am working, this will probably be published before my official um, gift giving idea list and extra special Black Friday coupon codes before all that gets up there. But around the time, a few days before Black Friday, there's gonna be some extra special things over on solelyrested.com slash coupons. But no matter when you're listening to this, definitely go check out that page because I am always keeping it updated with whatever amazing specials that I find that I think are going to encourage you in this effort to live life just a little more simply. That's it for now. I hope that everything is fantastic in your neck of the woods.